Hello everybody, this is your host, Tiernan McCarthy-Kenny from Tiernan's Tea Time. This week we talk Jets, we highlight some off-season moves and future expectations. Then we talk about a highly anticipated basketball G League related documentary. Lastly, we discuss Trump and all of his ongoing tomfoolery. I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, so let's get into Jets football. This is a topic that I haven't really discussed much, but I'm very excited to do so. So I recently just watched the Hard Knocks episode that just debuted, I think, two or three days ago. Um, and I just wanted to I just wanted to talk about it. And I, I've been doing some fantasy stuff, and I feel like it's, a, it's something I wanted to dive into a little bit later, I guess maybe in the beginning of the season, but we're kind of getting up to that point now, so I figured why not. Um, so the Jets last year, they ended up, seven and ten this past season last in the division and didn't really make the playoffs um they were close to making the playoffs but were pretty short um and just got com- kind of completely wiped out in their division they have a tough division um they had a lot of qb issues the whole season between zach wilson joe flacco uh mike white uh, excuse me mike white and um because of said qb issues they decided to go after a high free agent, high anticipated free agent, uh, Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, this was highly reported, super controversial just based on his age, level of play, since he kind of had a a down year last year. Um, But I actually am kind of in the minority. I didn't think it was actually that bad. Um, Considering the lack of talent on the offensive end, he ended up with a 64.6% pass completion rate, 26 TDs, and about 3,700 yards. But, I mean, he did still have 12 interceptions, which is kind of damn near his career high for him. Um, I think his career high is actually 13. And a 39 total QB rating, which is not great. Um, I personally, like I said, haven't given up hope on him, and I actually think he's a really good fit for this team. Um, I believe last year... Just included a lot of distractions and not much talent on his offense. I mean, I feel like he became like I feel like he became like a real Hollywood celebrity last year. Um, similar to kind of a Tom Brady, he had, you you heard all these about all these stories about his psychedelic trips, um, dating rumors. He had the, this fucking Nick Cage look the entire time. He's kind of here and all over the offseason last season. He was kind of just all over the place. And um, you heard about him a lot more than you did before. A lot of headlines, a lot of drama. But this year he's in a new city. He's got a new coach, um, young teammates with real, act- like real deal talent, um, which I'm excited about. To t- excited to talk about, um, especially at the wide receiver position, which is perfect for him. I mean, let's not forget too. He won an MVP, uh, 21-22 season, and led the league in several statistical categories. Um, Plus, he also has a young quarterback that he can give his wisdom to and knowledge to, which is awesome and probably is a huge attribute for him. I'm sure at this stage in his career, yeah, he wants to win. Yeah, he still wants to be the MVP Rodgers. But he also wants to give back a little bit, and especially to a quarterback that kind of shit the bed, who's who's supposed to be a franchise, the franchise QB for this Jets team, and kind of shit the bed. I'm sure that that 
giving him his knowledge and kind of mentoring him actually hypes him up just as much as going out and playing does. So other key players they have, Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. Uh, Cornerback Sauce Gardner won Defensive Player uh, Rookie of the Year last year. And he also has wide receiver Randell Cobb, who solid and someone actually who has whose Rodgers has chemistry with, excuse me. Um, and they also have running back Zonovan Knight, who showed some signs last year of being a real force. And he actually kind of saved me last year in fantasy for a couple weeks. I picked him up on the waiver wire, and he had a couple big weeks for me. So this also could be somebody you could look forward to this year. Um, they, like I said before in the beginning, they have a really tough division. Uh, they're in the AFC East with the Bills, Dolphins, and the Patriots. Um, it's a really tough decision, uh, division to succeed in, especially when you're up and coming and you don't have like a set solid team that has a ton of experience. But this year might be the year where they can end up at least in the top two. I think that they can possibly beat out the Patriots, number one, for sure, and beat out the Dolphins, which the Dolphins are going to be the toughie. I don't think they're going to be at the Bills, but I mean, the Dolphins have a solid team. But their star quarterback is one sack away from retiring. And their backup is now Mike White. So, which everybody bugged out about when he filled in the role for Zach Wilson. But he had really one huge game where he went nuts and everybody freaked out. And that was obviously the first game that he played. And then he lost the next three weeks. So he's one for three for the year. He has potential. He's good, and I think a lot of people do think he's good. He's a good backup, but he's not something that if Tua went down, they're like, oh, shit, okay, they got Mike White. Now he's still got to worry about them. I, I don't really know. Um, and the Patriots are more of a wild card. Last year, nobody was expecting that from them. Um, Mac Jones kind of shit the bed, and then Singleton kind of stepped up and carried them, and Belichick also kind of shit the bed. So if those two kind of get up, and actually show out like they kind of were supposed to last year and maybe maybe they do have a shot and can actually be above 500 team but i'm not sure so if they kind of sink again this year i definitely think the jets could actually beat them out so i think they have a good shot and they could definitely make the playoffs um like i said i think they i think they have a legit shot and i actually think they could get somewhere substantial this season i'm really looking forward to it i'm actually really excited to see the aaron uh rogers fit i think it's going to be good and i think he's actually going to show out and probably surprise some people and garrett wilson i think get that motherfucker on your fantasy team i think he's gonna go and fucking kill i, th I really do think he's gonna kill he killed last year and run rookie of the year with three shit quarterbacks i mean joe flacco's pretty good but he's also older and he's He's like, he's whatever. So if he did that with three older, not older, three worse quarterbacks, just imagine what he's going to do with a healthy, good looking Aaron Rodgers. So let's take a break real quick before we get in the next topic. We 
are back and next I want to get into Destination NBA, a G League Odyssey. This is a documentary that was released on August 8th, 2023. Uh, it's exclusively on Amazon Prime and it was produced by the Religion of Sports and Spotify is the ringer, aka the GOAT, Bill Simmons. So it's about the pursuits of the NBA from the G League player's perspective. It features a few current G League players and former G League standouts um, who made it through the battle to the NBA. They mainly discuss the grit and grind, the work you have to put in on the court and off the court, both mental and physical. So there are three players, three types of players that I actually noticed when watching uh, some of this doc. Young players straight out of high school or college who are pretty hungry, uh, trying to get a chance to get in the league. Players that just want to go at everybody who are just going to work tirelessly because they just all they're set on is this dream of going to the NBA. Then you have the players who are in the league who actually had to step down. So sometimes they're washed. Sometimes they just were a bad fit in the team and they just thought maybe this is not the right time uh, to play there. It's a fit, like I said, isn't great. So go go practice in the G League. Um, depends on the situation. There are There's a lot of situations where this could happen. Um, so these guys really have the mental battle. They reached a new height and then got just Spartan kicked off a cliff. Um, and your confidence goes down, money goes down, obviously. And they kind of either break, they break through or they kind of just crumble. Um, there's a, there's a, there's actually a significant amount of players that are like this. And I, uh, I definitely feel for them. Um, Next, you have the guys that just want to hoop at the highest level they can. They don't really care what league it's in, if it's overseas, the NBA, G League. Usually, these players are veterans, older guys, um, just just wanna just wanna make money playing basketball, which I admire a lot. I'd kind of, I'd probably be the same way. I mean, I don't know. I'd probably be like pretty driven to get the NBA, but after a while, I'd be like, uh, I'm making money playing a game. Why? Who cares where I am? Um, and you're getting good money. I mean, it's not NBA money, but dude. Compared to everybody else, uh, regular people, average people in the world and in the country, you're making good money. Um, so it's, and these people, they're just not going to quit. And a lot of the younger guys or the players who are in the league and step down, there's a much higher rate of them actually just dropping out and just saying, fuck it, I'm not going to, I'm not doing this anymore. So they get a little deeper with the chosen players and talk about their life. What led them here, childhood, schools, and just overall basketball-related experiences. Um, the featured current G League athletes were Scoot, Gabe York, Ryan Terrell, Denzel Valentine, and Mason Jones. Which I only knew of Scoot and Denzel Valentine. And really only knew of Denzel Valentine because he was drafted by the Bulls. And actually showed out a little bit for the Bulls. Um, but then I believe he was, I forget if he was traded or he was just a free agent. And the Celtics picked him up. I think he's on the Celtics for a little bit and played all right and then went down to the G League. And now he's playing for the, the Celtics G League team, I believe. Um, the former G League athletes were Seth Curry, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Green, and Gary Payton II, which I think we all know. Um, they're all great, and I think we all know them. The expectations for this, this documentary, which I, I was actually really excited for this documentary because I religiously listened to... Uh, the Ringer podcast, for the most part, for sports. So I listen to Bill Simmons' podcast religiously. No matter what the episode is on, I pretty much listen to it. Uh, Ryan Rossillo, uh, The Mixed Match, all these different all these different shows that they have. I love them. 
Uh, and I had high, I had high hopes when I knew Bill Simmons mentioned it, and I think uh, Ryan Rosillo might have mentioned it. But I had high hopes for it after hearing it on different pods. But I didn't totally know what to expect. Um, but I was excited, and unfortunately for me, it just didn't really click. Um, I wasn't finding it really interesting. I actually kept falling asleep, so I stopped watching about halfway through and actually started watching the Hard Knocks after. Um, it was just very generic and sort of bland. From what I saw, it was players constantly just saying they gotta, they gotta get, they gotta put the work in and work to get to, to the NBA. And it was just several clips of them hooping and no added like spice or anything of that nature to the film that really kept you engaged. And it was kind of just like a stereotypical interview of a high-level college or high school player just getting asked about their aspirations and then their response being, pressure makes diamonds. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. And you're just like, all right, like I, I've heard this so many times. I've seen this story so many times. And I, I just didn't, there was nothing riveting about this documentary where I'm like, all right, towards the, maybe if I keep watching, I'm going to find out this new stuff. And I just, I just didn't get it. And I was just hoping it would include more like insider info on the G League and the players in it, just in depth about players day to day, maybe some of the front office stuff and the recruitment process, um, how much the league's grown since the D League, because it used to be the D League, um, contract differences between the G League and the NBA. Do people take win it, winning seriously in the GA, G League or does everyone just consider it as a stop before the NBA, etc.? Like Things like sprinkled throughout the, the, uh, the whole doc to keep the viewer excited and engaged. Um, maybe they did that in the last hour and I just didn't see it, but regardless, it should have been sprinkled throughout. And I thought it was way too long. It was a two-hour documentary. I thought it could easily have been, honestly, like 45 minutes to an hour. Um, it's simply just basketball clips, but no disrespect to Bill Simmons because I love his show and I love pretty much everything this dude works on and does. Um, and I probably would work for the ringer in a heartbeat. So it just wasn't my cup of tea, but I do recommend everybody watch it and see for yourself, especially if you're a basketball head. Um, I, it just wasn't for me. Um, let's take another break before we get into the next time. For the last segment of the pod, and now we are talking about good old Mr. Donald Trump. Um, maybe not good old. So I'm sure if you know, Trump this past summer has had an eye-opening amount of legal trouble, especially for a former president of the United States. I mean, honestly, it's a little eye-opening for anybody. I'd be a little concerned for anyone who is dealing with this much shit. Um, and recently, I've just been seeing more and more headlines. So I wanted to dive into it a bit. So he had three major indictments this past few months. I think the earliest one was in March. But he also, too, don't get confused because I'm going to list three of them right now. Don't get confused with the sexual assault case. He also had a sexual assault case on top of this. Um, but I'm pretty sure he won that. 
uh, for the time being, but I think she is bringing him back. So he might still have to court, go to court a second time for that. But here are the ones I'm going to talk about. So first, the hush-hush money case involving Stormy Daniels. I'm pretty sure everybody's heard of this or at least tidbits of this. So Trump was indicted this past March and state charges related to the under the table payment to porn star Stormy Daniels during the 2016 presidential election. Excuse me. This was when I was about in eighth grade and I knew about it then. So I'm sure everybody knows about it. Uh, prosecutors allege Trump was trying to undermine the integrity of the election and suppress negative information. This included a $130,000 payment made by Trump's personal attorney at the time to Stormy Daniels directly. So pretty crazy, not really surprised. I think we can all understand that. Now, before you say that's barely any evidence, they're just trying to tear this great man down because I've heard that a million fucking times. Michael Cohen, Trump's personal attorney at the time said Trump directed him to pay Stormy Daniels in the final days of the campaign. So you have the guy that is the main guy in this entire thing besides Trump, obviously, the guy who supposedly paid Stormy Daniels that Trump's obviously denying. That guy straight up said he did it. So he's completely confessing to the whole thing and Trump's motive to the entire thing. Now, also you have Karen McDowell, McDowell, I, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, she's an uh, she's a model and an actress, and she also said that she previously had an affair with Trump back in 2006 and received a $150,000 payment to keep quiet. So first you have the guy, the attorney that actually paid Stormy Daniels, saying he did it and did it per Trump's request. And then you have a woman also saying he did the exact same thing a f 10 years, a decade before that. Pretty convincing. Um, then you also have David Pecker, a former publisher at the National Enquirer, said he allegedly helped Daniels broker the deal and also arranged a catch and kill to the McDougal and Trump story. And if you don't know what catch and kill means, it means just buying the rights to a story and never publishing it. So he's basically trying to get this story completely silenced so nobody would hear about it and that wouldn't affect his campaign. Um, and like I said, you have two direct people who were previously on Trump's side folding. And you also have another woman revealing that he's done the same things in the past. So not really looking good for Trump on that front. Then there's the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. Um, Trump was indicted this past June by a federal grand jury in Miami for taking classified national defense documents from the White House after he left office. They found over 10,000 total U.S. documents, government documents, and photographs without classification markings. They found more than 40 empty folders with classified banners on them and four dozen empty folders marked return to staff slash secretary military aid. Wow. And you'd expect somebody who's essentially stealing important government documents to keep them in a safe and organized fashion, maybe a private room or an undisclosed, unexpected location, right? And somewhere nobody's expecting to find. I mean, that's where I would do. And you think that's what a the president of the United States, a politician, somebody who's got a huge task force, whatever team around him that could give him advice, all these different things, all these different minds together, right? 
Trump said no. Trump, this dude kept them in his office and his storage room um, completely aloof. It was reported that all these documents, top secret, classified, unclassified, etc., all these different classifications, all mixed together amongst each other in just amongst each other with newspaper clippings, books, articles of clothing, gift items, all these different things mixed together in the same container, okay? So, <laughs> what the fuck? And for the cherry on top, you have the other key evidence is there's an actual recording of Mr. Smarty Pants himself discussing holding on to secret documents that he didn't declassify, okay? And there's also, on top of all of that, there's surveillance footage showing Walt Nuata, who's described as Trump's aide, and then Carlos de Oliveira, which at first I thought said Charles Oliveira, and I was like, what? Um, who's actually Trump's maintenance worker, allegedly moving document bo boxes around the resort. So first you have them finding them on his property, right? Then you have actual recording of him saying that he did it. Then you have footage of people who are close to him moving boxes uh, around his resort that allegedly were filled with the documents. Doesn't look great either, okay? And then the lastly, you have the election interference case, which you can basically describe as January 6th. This is January 6th situation where Trump allegedly attempted to exploit the violence of the, at the Capitol and delay the certification of the election, okay? We all have heard about this a million times, and this happened three years ago. So the major key piece of evidence was a phone call on January 2nd, 2021, between Trump and the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Raffensperger, yeah, Raffensperger. I, again, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. The, that's a really long, tough name. Um, like I said, where Trump lied in an attempt to induce him to overturn the election and find the exact number of votes to flip his defeat in Georgia. Okay. Now, this is from what I've heard um, a lot of people on different podcasts. A lot of my favorite po political podcasters have brought on um, very intelligent legal representatives, and they discussed the case in in depth, all these different indictments, all of them. From all of what I've heard, this is the most important case and can really come to bite him in the ass the most. Um, so with all these three cases combined, just these three cases, not even talking about the sexual assault one, any of those, with these three cases combined, he faces 78 total charges, which makes him the first current or former president in the United States to ever face criminal charges. I think that is insane. 78 total charges, and a lot of them are felonies. So with all that being said about all these charges, you, you would expect that somebody with either being convicted felon or with a, a criminal record or is facing char criminal charges while he's running for president would be kicked out, right? We would not be able to run for president or be elected as president. Well, you're wrong. Apparently, the U.S. Constitution does not list the absence of any criminal record as a qualification for the presidency. It says only that natural-born citizens who are at least 35 years old and have been a resident of the United States for 14 years can run for president. So he'll most likely still be in the race, win the Republican primary, but 
in any case, if something happens where he gets kicked out, which I don't think is going to happen, but if it does, who would be next in line? Now, I think everybody's first answer, answer would be DeSantis. Um, he's the most popular and probably, like I said, the first person to come to mind. He's been in the headlines all whole year about uh, running for president, all this different stuff, and especially with the COVID thing, he gained so much popularity. But with the pushing back against Disney so hard and going, just doubling down, doubling down, doubling down, lawsuits, all these different things, he's just tanking. So now, according to the ABC News national poll, he's only at 14.3%, while Trump is at 53.7%. Not looking good. With these three indictments, all right, that is updated early since August 10th, and I'm recording this on August 12th. So with all those three indictments, sexual harassment case, he's still pulling at 53.7%, all right? How insane is that? Now, you can tell I'm not a Trump fan really at all. Um, I think besides marketing himself, he's very unintelligent and irrational. He's got the classic diarrhea mouth and will spew such bullshit to the point that you have Ivy League schools conducting studies on the percentage of how much of what he actually says is incorrect, right? And if I could have my pick of the litter, I'd most likely go with the Republican Senator of South Carolina, Tim Scott. Now, if you, I don't think a lot of people have actually heard about him if you look him up and try to find some of his political opinions and stuff like that, you won't really find much. Everybody's just enamored with the fact that he is a black man. Um, I've read several articles from NPR, Politico, the New York Times, etc., all talking about how he's a black man, he's the first black man to serve in both chambers, and now he is he has slave lineage from the Carolinas, and he grew up in the Carolinas, and now a senator of the Carolinas, all this different stuff. Um, but what's actually enticing about him is his attitude, his core values, his character, his intelligence. He's a respectful, smart man who seems like you could actually trust to make rational changes to our country. Um, and that's something you shouldn't have to ask for. That's someone who, as when you're electing a president of your fucking country, that's just an expectation. In the past few years, past elections, we haven't gotten that. And that's why I value him so much. And I would really love to see him actually win. But unfortunately, he's only polling at 3.3%. But I hope as the race gets closer to the finish line, people will actually change their mind and give him a shot. Um, he has a few podcasts out with different people, interviews, where you can listen to things. Because like I said, if you look up different articles about him, you're not really going to find much. So it's kind of frustrating. Um, so that's the end of the pod. I hope you guys enjoyed. I delved into some different topics I haven't really talked about, but I will talk about going forward. Let me know how you like it on all social platforms. We are now pretty much on any platform you could think of podcast wise. Again, I hope you guys enjoy and I'll see you in the next one.